Hello. Hello. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Kim. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. It's well, 2022. Yes. Welcome to 2022 and season three, episode seven of the Massive Fans Book Club podcast. We hope you enjoyed a lovely holiday and are as eager as we are to jump back into Akawar. Today, we are covering chapters 24 through 28 of A Court of Wings and Ruin by Sarah J. Mass. Uh, before we get started, Thank you to all of you who entered our winter solstice yeah. giveaway. Woohoo! Winners have been tagged on Instagram, and those prizes will be out in the mail about the time you hear this. And in the spirit of New Year, New Me, we're excited for new giveaways and new guests who will join us in 2022. Not new? This podcast still isn't for little ears, and also not new? We still encourage you to reach out, share your thoughts, songs, TikToks, and more with us on any and all platforms. As always, we will share socials at the end of the show and in our show notes. So, Kim, okay, first chapter of the year, want to kick us off? Sure. <laughs> so, we're, we're at the fun part of stuff, guys. <clears throat> Maybe? I don't know. Yeah! Uh, I feel the need to like throw in here that like if you haven't figured this out by now, we do attempt to group our chapters in a way that makes like sense. <laughs> like we try to group our chapters for an episode like this is a plot point. Um, or sometimes maybe, you know, it, at like the beginning of a book, this is two plot points. But like today's is like a little funky because it's like, Two and a half plot points, but like not really because it. it, it yeah, there was like no good way. Or, like there was no good place to cut it and make the episode shorter. But then, like, also, like next episode had like very clear cut chapters that like went together. But then there was like one, like twenty eight was like an offshoot that was gonna hang out yeah. by itself and didn't belong anywhere. <laughs> It's, it's kind of a weird chapter. Um, They're all a little weird. Later, yeah, but, yeah. It's it's a little odd to yeah. say the least. So, so, like, apologies now if all of this feels like it doesn't go together because, like, we're aware that it doesn't. But we also did not like you know um, put the chapter numbers in the book. That's not my bad. <laughs> yeah, so true. So, we got all what we got. (laughs) And we're not going to skip these because there is some pertinent information in them. Sure, of course. So, yeah, okay. Kim, kick us off with that, you know. (laughs) Sure, no problem. Thanks a lot. That's a great intro. Ah, no. Um, (laughs) no, So, all right, we're at chapter 24, everybody. Um, So, they've returned to the townhouse, uh, i.e. from their, their little visit to uh the bone carver and cassian because remember they're going to the hewn city that evening cassian and and azrael have to draw sticks as to who's going to stay because remember amarin's actually going to the hewn city this time because she's taking nesta so we know that more's going to be going so that literally leaves Uh cassian or azrael to stay and and guard over valaris so right um Poor Cassie, and he ends up drawing the short stick, and he gets to stay. So, uh, I feel so bad. I and love like, that method, though. I love that they're just like, short stick, let's go. Pretty much. So, Feyre, you know, she's funny. She, after 
after that happens in the house of Wayne, she leaves to go to the townhouse or actually no i guess they came back to the townhouse so she leaves to go get dressed up in the room right, she, right. poor cassian gets the lovely job of not only telling Resand who's staying but what happened at their visit to the prison with the bone carver yeah and what the bone carver wants <laughs> oh however before she can go do that she needs to go up to the house of wind because as she says in here there were two so there were two people she had to go up to the house of wind to see um the first one is elaine and she should have checked in on her before they left but she didn't and she also should have remembered that elaine's wedding day to grayson was coming up and yeah um, she hadn't she was a little upset with herself for forgetting that yeah and i get it but also like we got a real war here like <laughs> we kind of have a problem that we're trying to deal with yeah yeah um and she knows she also needed to touch base with lucian um <laughs> she says i like how she puts it in here i told myself to keep tabs on where he was how that conversation with asriel had gone yesterday and make sure he remembered the rules that we set okay the rules that still irritate the ever-living daylights out of me but whatever <laughs> they irritate me too so don't worry so they get in and and she she gets to the house she tried she tried to fly that didn't go which so cracks well, me so. up what possess her to be like i can't fly for shit you know what i should do fly up there what the fuck <laughs> so she falls and kind of hurts herself she's just grateful nobody saw her fall when yeah, she mostly hurts her because, pride i think yeah She's a little sore because she's going to have bruises, but whatever. Sure. Um, but she finds Elaine in the family library. Shocker, shocker, shocker. Which, this is the first time that Bear is aware of that Elaine has actually even left her room. And she sees Nesta sitting there reading. And she murmurs hello. And she she walks over to Elaine and Elaine doesn't turn. She doesn't do anything. Apparently, she looks like hell. Surprise. Right. And so she's trying to to talk to the sisters. And the, but Nessa's hysterical. She's like, where are your menagerie of friends? <laughs> right. And Bear was like, uh, those friends have offered you shelter and comfort and training or whatever Amron was doing. Are you ready for tonight? And of course, Nesta's like, yes. Fair continues over to to Elaine. And this is kind of an interesting little part because <laughs> it kind of sets some stuff up for much later. Yeah, I definitely highlighted it too. <laughs> so Fair starts off and she's talking to Elaine and she's like, what are you looking at? Trying to keep it, you know, casual and whatever. Sure. I'm like, all right, whatever, Fair, you're terrible at this. And she describes it as such. Her face was wan, her lips bloodless, but they moved, barely. As she said, I can see so very far now, all the way to the sea. Indeed, the sea was beyond the Sidra, was a distant sparkle. It takes some getting used to. I can hear your heartbeat. If I listen carefully, I can hear her heartbeat too. You can learn to drown out the sounds that bother you. I had entirely on my own. I wondered if Nesta had as well, or if they both suffered hearing each other's heartbeats day and night. 
I didn't look to my other sister to confirm it. Elaine's eyes at last slid to mine, the first time they'd done, she'd done so. Even wasted away by grief and despair, Elaine's beauty was remarkable. Hers was a face that could bring me kings to their knees, and yet there was no joy in it, no light, no life. She said, I can hear the sea. Even at night, even in my dreams, the crashing sea and the screams of a bird made a fire. Okay, stop for a minute. <laughs> okay, I'm laughing because Hello? I just realized that so you're Firebird. reading. Well, yeah. Firebird. It's a yeah. freaking ballet. It's also a, a, a fairy tale, but it's a freaking ballet, man. The Firebird. It's gorgeous. I love the music, but do you know, like, the first time I read this and I got to that, I was like, she's bringing in the fucking Firebird. Okay, well, A, yes, I understand. That is something. But I'm laughing because I highlighted it too, so yeah. But you're reading it out loud, and I, like, I hear Kim's voice. And it occurred to me when I was listening to you read it, do you know, I mean, like, this is not like a fan casting thing or anything. This is just, like, how I hear Elaine in my head right now. Do you know how I hear Elaine in my head right now? No. I hear, okay, help me with this because her name is escape me, escaping me. I hear the actress, I hear Drusilla from Buffy. Oh. Oh. I can't remember her name either, but I know who you're talking about. Oh my God. <laughs> I hear her Drusilla delivery. I can hear your heartbeat if I listen carefully. I can hear her heartbeat too. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Oh, man. Yeah. So, like, maybe Elaine isn't as nuts as I think she is. Maybe the failure is that I hear Drusilla in my head. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would, that would definitely be a problem. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. I think it's it's something in the pattern of the words. It's the way she like half repeats herself. No, and I get that. I can see so very far now, all the way to the sea. I can hear your heartbeat. If I listen carefully, I can hear her heartbeat too. Like I can hear the sea. Like it's very like, (laughs) are you all there? Are you okay? The one that, I mean, I'm fine until she gets back to it. And then she's like, the crashing sea and the screams of a bird made of fire. And I just got to that and was like, um, okay, so now we're going to like really pull in some strain. Like, and I love that Sarah J. Mass doesn't have a problem mixing her fairy tales and sure. her mythologies and all that. Like, really, I don't. I love it, actually, because it's like the layers of an onion. I get to peel back and find something new. But this... This is kind of a weird, random fairy tale to bring in. <laughs> I, I just mean, like that this is, like, not discussed. I'm now looking at it again. <laughs> I like how it's just, like, Ness and Feyre are like, okay. <laughs> like, they don't even look at each other. They just kind of keep, and I'm just kind of going, all right. Okay. Stop. Stop the roll right there. Like, what? Yeah. And it just makes me, this bit makes me kind of go, the fuck are they all thinking for the next couple of chapters about Elaine? 
Like, really? The yeah, fuck? Well, I got some notes. <laughs> I got some notes about that later. <laughs> Sorry. I'm just... No, I do the same thing where I'm like, how did we just, like, sweep this under the rug? How were we like, this is fine? Because, <laughs> you know, Farrah's, Farrah's response and her internal monologue to it was, even the townhouse was too far to hear anything from the nearby coast. And as for some firebird, dot, dot, dot. I'm like, right. okay. I get it, but, you know, for some smart people, y'all are fucking dull. I just like the segue where she's just like, uh, hey, Nesta, don't you need a book over there? <laughs> like, uh, well, Elaine be speaking crazy speak. <laughs> Well, no, the really crazy part is right next after this, because then Favor is like, hey, look at my at my other house. I have a garden. I'd like for you to come tend it if you're willing. And all Elaine does is look at her and says, or turns away the sun, the wind, and looks out the windows again and says, will I hear the earthworms writhing through the soil or the stretching of roots? Will the bird of fire come to sit in the trees and watch me? Fair is like, uh, hey, Nesta, hey, look, look. <laughs> over there. Thanks. <laughs> uh, so anyway, so yeah, Fair grabs Nesta and they go further out into the stacks looking for a quote unquote book. Yeah. So they're close, they're far enough away that Elaine won't be able to overhear him for a variety of reasons, but they're close enough that Feyre can keep an eyeball on her. Right. And they do make sure that she can't jump out the window first. Like, the yeah. window does not open, which is wild to me that you're standing here and you're like, she's nuts. She might try to jump. We might have a jumper on our hands, but we're not going to do nothing about it. I don't know. I just, mm. Yeah. So they get far enough away, and Favor throws up a shield of wind to keep Elaine from being able to hear them. Right. And of course, Favor's question to Nesta is, "Well, how did you get her to leave the room?" Which, <laughs> like, question. that is not the question I have. <laughs> it's not, but fair question nonetheless. Nesta's like, well, I, I didn't. I found her in here. She wasn't in bed when I awoke. So I can guarantee you that Nesta was shitting bricks when right. she couldn't find Elaine. And of course, then they're like, well, has she eaten anything? No. I finally got her to have some broth, but she hasn't refused. She refuses to either do anything else. And I'm like, right. Oh, okay. But all, then the next thing that, that Nesta says, which I find is interesting, is she's been talking in those half riddles all day. So they're trying to figure out what's triggering it, because as far as they're concerned, these are half riddles. They're not really, honestly, in my opinion, I don't think they're really listening to her. Because if they were, I don't know how much of a quote-unquote half riddle it would be, so much as maybe a light bulb would go off. The problem here is that whole thing, okay, I know there's like a science behind this, but I can't remember what it's called. It's the thing where like when a person is talking, your brain is already anticipating what they're going to say. So then if they say not that, that's why a lot of times people be like, yeah, yeah, wait, what? <laughs> it's because like you don't process the information fast enough. And I feel like that's what's happening here. They're expecting her to be like, I'm sad. I am lonely. I am mad. But instead she's fucking talking about firebirds. And so they're just like, my brain do not compute. <laughs> like, what? 
I don't think you're right. I don't think it's that they're like choosing not to hear her as much as they're just like so confused. Oh <laughs> well, yeah. That they're like not comparing notes either. You know what I mean? True. There's like what Nest is gonna hear, and then there's like what's favor is gonna hear, and then there's like later in a chapter I cover some shit she says to a room full of people who are all like, What? <laughs> the fuck? Yeah, I don't know. I mean So like I think save for Feyre, nobody else I don't feel like is ever, maybe Feyre and Nesta, but like nobody, like no third party ever seems to be around and hear all the pieces. Not yet anyway, no. Right. right. So I think, I think that's the problem. <laughs> well, I also think, yes, it's a problem, but it's also because nobody else, honestly, they don't really let anyone else get around them. Right, which we're about to see literally what's going to come up next, so carry on. (laughs) So, then, of course, Nesta's question is, is, well, does she have powers like mine? And, of course, Feyre wants to know, well, what are those powers, Nesta? You know, she doesn't say it, but it it does kind of cross her mind. And I like Feyre's response, because I'm like, really? Okay. Because Feyre responds to, I don't know, I don't think so, unless this is the first sign of something manifesting. Yeah. Let's give her a day or two, see what happens if she improves. Okay. But, you know, I hate to say it, Feyre, you kind of self-prophesized when you said something manifesting, dumbass. Okay, sure. But, like, on that note, and I think I even had this in my notes later, so, like, your chapter and my chapter, I'm realizing, are, like, really parallel. And I just feel like... Yeah, but, like, it's all a load of hooey anyway, because, like, fucking more over here is the truth teller. What the fuck does that mean? And as is the fucking spy master, what the fuck does that mean? Like, we don't actually, save for Pharaoh, we don't actually understand what, like, any of these people possess. True. Unfortunately. So, I mean, it's like, yeah, I don't know about Elaine. Yeah, well, I don't know about the lot of y'all. So. True. Because, you know. The fuck Nesta is Moore's power, anyway? <laughs> not only that, but Nest has been so forthcoming about what her powers are. Let's face it. The two people we know who their powers are are Feyre and Resand. Yeah. Yeah. So And to cut Elaine that. and Nesta some slack. Feyre in Akamath was not very forthcoming either because she didn't understand or feel comfortable either. So, I mean, for Feyre to be like, well, Nesta, you haven't really talked about it. Yeah, Feyre, well, neither did you. (laughs) No, I know. And I'm not, I'm not saying that, but I just find it interesting that, you know, Nesta's all putting these questions out there too. And I'm like, um, Chica, you gotta, gotta, gotta split your own there for a little bit. Right. Girlfriend. Right. So then they talk about the fact they're going to the Hewn City tonight. And I like how Feyre addresses this. Because Nesta wants to know, why aren't they going to look into what's going on with Elaine right now? And Feyre's like, we're going to the Hewn City in a few hours. And you don't seem inclined to want us shoving into your business. I doubt Elaine does, too. Sure. 
good for you, Feyre, for telling Nesta that. Because honestly, I hate to say it, Nesta needs to be called on some of her shit and her attitude. Everyone, sure, <laughs> sure, for sure. Feel that. So then they have this whole little heart to heart about, well, why doesn't I love this? So Feyre's asking Nesta, well, why don't you train with Cassian? And Nesta is like, why is it only Cassian that I may train with? Why not the other one? Feyre's like, Azriel? Him, or the blonde one who won't shut up. That's my favorite part, the blonde one that won't shut up. I'm like, um, okay. And then she's like, and why must I train at all? I am no warrior, nor do I desire to be. Hmm. And of course, then there's, it could make you strong. There are many types of strength beyond the ability to wield a blade and end lives. Amron told me that yesterday. Can I just say... Spoiler alert, spoiler alert. If you've not read not read Silver Flames, spoiler alert. But <laughs> hello. If you have, you're going to know exactly where I'm going to go with this. I find it so bizarre she says this here because in Silver Flames, she basically trains to become a fucking Valkyrie. Yeah, but I think that has more to do with what happens at the end of this book. I don't disagree, but the fact of the matter is... I think there's a very pivotal moment. (laughs) I think there's a very pivotal moment, I'm now picturing in my mind, where she's like, I highly agreed with Amryn, except for everything Amryn and I talked about is not helping me in this moment. (laughs) I don't disagree. I'm just saying, yeah. I find it interesting that she puts this out here when two books later, yeah, she does the exact opposite. So. Sure, sure. I that's think that's all. the theme of the books, though. I mean, I know more sleeps with Cassie. Like, like, here we are. No, I was like, pot, kettle. Yeah, well, people around here be doing stuff that often makes me think that. Like I said, but later in this book, we also have a whole conversation to be had about. Uh, more and who she does and doesn't sleep with and my brain can't handle that either so I mean I think everybody around here just be saying one thing doing another true 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 I'm just you know I'm putting it out there I'm sorry as somebody who you know I don't I know everybody I'm not a big Nesta fan no but I don't totally dislike her I think she's a little bitch but I don't dislike her yeah Um, I don't just love Elaine either so I don't want people to think I'm I'm Sure. Proline and and con Nesta. I'm not. I actually like both sisters in different ways, and I dislike both sisters in different sure. ways. So, I, you know, leaving it there. Just I want to get that out there for everybody to understand. I I I appreciate this, but I just I I find it so interesting, especially now that I have read Silver Flames and I've come back, and here I am rereading this now, and I'm like, yeah, seriously, like, you two face bitch. Fair. <laughs> I'm calling you out. I'm sorry. Like I said, I just feel like there's a pivotal moment that changed her mind. I don't disagree with that. But still, I think she's painted herself into a corner that makes her seem kind of hypocritical later. Sure, sure. Anyway, they continue, they get ready to continue this conversation and the library door opens. And who should come strolling in but Lucian? Right. (laughs) Because why not? God bless him. Well, you know... It was funny, before we even get into the next part of this, I knew he came in because, not because he was trying to ruffle feathers, he was bored and he probably was looking for something to do, like find a book to read. Like, honest to God, you know, 
how can he ask a servant to bring him a book when he doesn't even know what the hell he wants to read? Right? I mean... Yeah. I, I Anyway, that's how I see it. And of course, I love this little bit. So Lucian comes in and he basically stops. Because Lucian's like, you, you left your room. <laughs> Meaning Elaine... And Feyre has an interesting little internal dialogue that happens here. And she's like, weeks of cloistering Elaine had done nothing to improve her state. Perhaps the half riddles were proof of that. And even if Lucian was currently breaking the rules we had set. More steps, no doubt closer to where Elaine stood at the window. Is, is there anything I can get for you? I'd never heard my friend's voice so soft. So tentative and concerned. So, yay Lucian. I know. So then Feyre does, well, hmm. She basically throws herself into his mind. And yeah, it's a weird choice, in my opinion. It, it is, though. I, part of me understands it. And I, I, I have to say, as a reader, I appreciate it, one, because you get his point of view for a little I bit. Say, and, I like it as a reader. I don't really understand the motivation to do so in this moment. True. Other than... Pure curiosity. Right, yeah. And then for the reader's sake. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. It's it's an interesting writer's tool. Instead of having a point of view section from his point of view. It's, right. Which, okay. Because honestly, she hadn't really employed that. Except for... Yeah. At the end of the last book for two chapters. Yeah. Um. But it's interesting because his commentary on Elaine that goes through his head is really fascinating. He's like, yeah. she's thin, she mustn't be eating, how can she stand? And he's like, you know, the ravages of her fasting were evident enough. And he's fighting his internal desires to touch her and smell her and just be with her because they right. are mates. God bless him. Um, But he... This is important because he says this. I hadn't, he had expected her to be here. The other sister, the Viper, was a possibility, but one he was willing to risk. Aside from talking to the Shadow Singer yesterday, which had been just about as unnerving as he'd expected, though Azrael seemed like a decent enough male, he'd been cooped up in this wind blasted house for two days. The thought of another one had been enough to make him risk Rhysand's wrath. He just wanted a walk and a few books. It had been an age since he'd even had free time to read, let alone do so for pleasure. And then he realizes that she's nothing like the last woman that he had fallen in love with, Jasminda. And how, you know, Jasminda was so full of life and mischief and and just, you know, she hadn't seen him as as Baron's seventh son, but as Lucian and... You know, he really, you know, he acknowledges that Jasminda had chosen him, whereas Elaine had just been thrown at him by the cauldron. Right. And then he realizes there's tea, and he's like, all right, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to try and do something here. Maybe get an interaction response out of her. And, you know, I I love his commentary, though, because he notices that Nesta had been there because he's like, indeed, there was a discarded book in the Viper's usual chair. Cauldron helped the male who wound up shackled to her. (laughs) 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 Sorry, that's funny. Um, Yeah. 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 (laughs) 
I'm like, okay. So he he's like, he asks Elaine, do you mind if I have, there, there's there's another set of cups for tea. Would you mind if I had another, had right. the other? I would like some tea. So he sits himself down. And it's funny, as he's putting his teacup together and making tea, he's he's making an observation about Resand, which I find interesting, too. And it is, Resand was many things, but he eerily, or certainly had good taste. The entire place had been decorated with thought and elegance, with a penchant for comfort over stuffiness. He didn't want to admit he liked it, didn't want to admit that he found the city beautiful, that the circle of people who now claimed to be Feyre's new family, it was what, long ago, he'd once thought life at Tamlin's court would be. Yeah, I mean, how was he supposed to know that Tamlin was a lunatic? (laughs) No shit. And then he's like, you know, an ache like a blow to the chest went through him, but he crossed the rug, forced his hands to be steady while he poured himself a cup of tea and sat in the chair opposite Nesta's vacated one. And I have to tell you, I, you know, it's one of those things, like, I remember it when I read it, but it would, this time it really struck home and it struck me as how painful this realization is for him. Yeah. And I can only imagine the sense of loss he's feeling. Yeah. And even a sense of betrayal to a degree uh, by Tamlin because of this. Yeah. So I feel bad for him. I feel that. Um, Poor baby. I know. I feel for him. I really do. Talk about somebody who gets the short end of the stick. And then, you know, Elaine finally turns to face him. And he acknowledges this is the first time he has seen her full face since Highburn. And he acknowledges she was the most beautiful female he'd ever seen. Betrayal, queasy and oily, slid through his veins. He'd said the same to Jasminda once. But even as shame washed through him, the words, the sense chanted, mine, you are mine, and I am yours, mate. And she looks at him and she goes, who are you? And he go. He says in his internal monologue, he knew without demanding clarification that she was aware of what he was to her. He says, "I am Lucian, seventh son of the High Lord of the Autumn Court." And this is interesting because remember he spoke with Azrael yesterday, talking about giving giving Azrael as much information as he could about right uh, the the autumn court for tonight's meeting and other meetings (laughs) because you know it for for knowledge is forearmed and he's like i don't hold out of nothing he told the shadow singer all he knew of his surviving brothers of his father his mother he kept some details irrelevant and utterly personal to himself everything else his father's closest allies the most conniving courtiers and lords He'd handed it over. Granted, it was dated by a few centuries, but in his time as emissary from the information he'd gathered, not much had changed. They'd all acted the same under the mountain anyway. And after what had happened with his brothers a few days ago, there was no tinge of guilt when he told Azrael what he knew, none of what he felt when he looked towards the south, toward both of the courts he'd called home. For a long moment, Elaine's face did not shift, but those eyes seemed to focus a bit more. Lucian, 
she said at last, and he clenched his teacup to keep from shuddering at the sound of his name on her mouth. From my sister's stories, her friend. Yes. But Elaine blinked slowly. You were in Highburn. Awkward. You betrayed us. He wished she'd showed him out, shoved him out the window behind her. It it was a mistake. Her eyes went frank and cold. I was to be married in a few days. I know, I'm sorry. And his internal monologue kicks him and says she did not love him, want him, need him, another male's bride, a mortal man's wife, or she would have been. She looked away towards the windows. I can hear your heart, she said quietly. When I sleep, she murmured, I can hear your heart beating through the stone. Can you hear mine? No, lady, I cannot. No one ever does. No one ever looked. Not really. A bramble of words, her voice strained to a whisper. He did. He saw me. He will not now. Her thumb brushed the iron ring on her finger. Another male's ring. Another marker that she was claimed. At this point, Fair realizes she served more than enough. But I want to say I read that because it's so important. Um, You know, we all talk about Elaine and issues we have with Elaine and how we never know anything about her and what she was like. And And I know I've told you personally that I keep thinking that there's a lot more to Elaine than we really know. And of course, sure. we won't really find out till we get to her story. But I think that it's so important that here she flat out says, no one ever looked. No one ever paid attention to me. But all of a sudden, this this man did. He got me. Yeah, which I can't, I hope we get more details on that because I sort of call bullshit on that. And the reason I say that is because we know that she's Nesta's whole world. I know. But I'm sure there are things about her that Nesta doesn't know. Well, right, and I get that, but I have a hard time believing that this Grayson, who's such a dick, did. <laughs> like, I, I, you know, if this was a story where she was in love with this very, very nice human man who just, like, would not understand, that would be different. But we know from pre, like, we already know from Akamath that Nessa was like, this car's an asshole. And Pharaoh was like, I and think this guy's an asshole. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I just, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like I call bullshit because it's like, mm, no, I think you think that he like really loved you. I think he thought she's pretty and quiet. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> But I think it's interesting that she's even letting that little bit out. You know what I, I mean? Yes, like, yes, I do think that. It kind of gives us a little bit of a hint of where things could go in the future with her. That's all yeah. I'm saying. Well, and also I do like that she, out of anybody, has now basically said more words to Lucian than she said to anyone. So all this time when people are like, 
don't force yourself like on her. Like she doesn't want to be your mate, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I get that. But on some level, she is already more comfortable talking to him than she is her own sisters. So we should probably take that into account. Absolutely. Absolutely. And of course, so at this point, so we're done. So Feyre's gotten out of his head. And Nesta's gaping at Feyre, like, the fuck? Yeah, how you do that and why? <laughs> and then she's like, well, have you ever gone into my And Feyre's like, no. Yeah, what a scary place to be. Yeah, I don't know if I'd want to either. Probably think she'll she's be able like, to get out. <laughs> yeah. So Feyre immediately drops the shield and she and Nesta come out. And... Lucian suddenly gets up and gets moving because he realizes that he's not alone in there with Elaine. Right. And he had no inkling that Farrah had been in his head, thank God. And of course, Nesta, being such a polite creature that she is, is like, get out. And he's like, I came to find a book. And of course, Nesta's so polite, and she goes, "Well, find one and leave." Right? Like, Damn, friend, you really need some help here. Like your manners are just wow, <laughs> wow. But Lucian ends up not heading for the stacks. He gets up and he walks towards the doors, and he looks at them. And says to them, she needs fresh air. And of course, Nesta B. Nesta's like, well, we'll judge what she needs. Because, you know, Nesta knows so much about (laughs) how to take care of her sister, apparently. And Lucian's like, take her to the sea, take her to some garden, but get her out of this house for an hour or two. And he walked away. And Pharaoh notices, she goes, I look at my two sisters, cloistered up, high above the world. You're moving into the townhouse right now, I said to them, to Lucian, who paused in the dim hallway outside. So she suddenly has made this massive decision. She's moving all three of them to the townhouse, like, now. Nesta doesn't object. We get a snowflake. Yep. And then I love it because it starts off. Neither did Reese when I sent my order. I like how she says, I sent my order. She doesn't. Yeah. And I'm telling them this is what we're doing. Yeah. She sent an order down the bond asking him, Cassian, and Asriel to help move them. No, my mate just promised to assign two bedrooms to my sisters down the hall on the other side of the stairs and the third for Lucian on our side of the hall, well away from Elaine's. 30 minutes later, they're all back in the townhouse. Um, or at least on their way back. Um, Feyre had gotten there first and had, again, failed miserably trying to fly. So she got there and was trying to look busy dusting and cleaning. Um, Asriel took a lane. And Nesta sets herself up for so much shit. You know that? That's all I have to say here. Because instead of instead of letting Cassian take her, 
No, she would rather like walk off the edge of the balcony to her death before she'd let Cassian take her over to the townhouse. So Reese gets to take her, which leaves Cassian to take Lucian. And can we just say, oh my God, awkward? Yeah, yeah, just a little bit. Just a wee bit. Anyway, Azrael, of course, arrives first with Lane. And he he's so polite about it. He he looks at her after they get there and he's like, Would you like me to show you the garden? I know. And it says, Elaine did not bulk from him, did not shy away as she nodded just once. Azrael, graceful as any courtier, offered her an arm. I couldn't tell if she was looking at his blue siphon or at his scarred skin beneath that she breathed beautiful. Color bloomed high on Azrael's golden brown cheeks. Being inclined his head and thinks and led my sister toward the back doors into the garden, sunlight bathing them. A moment later, Nesta was stomping through the front door, her face a remarkable shade of green. I need a toilet! I meet Reese's stare as he prowled in behind her. What did you do? He's like, she complained I was flying deliberately slow, so I went fast. Tara, of course, tells her sister where the bathroom is. And then Cassian and Lucian appeared. Of course, Lucian freaks out because he can tell that Azriel took Elaine down the hall. And Fair is like, he's not the ravishing type. You can chill. And um, Which, like, I'm sorry, but nobody's giving Lucian any credit for not losing his fucking cool. Because from what we know about mates, it would not be unheard of for him to lose his fucking cool. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Like, we are not giving him enough credit. We aren't. But Cassian is looking at Reese going, what did you do? Because they can hear Nesta throwing up in the bathroom. <laughs> and Faber's like, well, I asked them the same thing. He just said he went. But this is a fun little moment. She finally comes out of the bathroom. They all tried, or at least Cassian and I did, not to seem like we'd been listening to her. Her face was still greenish pale, but her eyes burned. There was no way of describing that burning, and even painting it might have failed. Her eyes remained the same blue-gray as my own, and yet molten ore was all I could think of. Quicksilver set aflame. She gets ready to go after Reese. Cassian steps in, and he's like, look, the last time I got in a fight in this house, even though it wasn't my fault, it was Amarin's, I got banished for a while. <laughs> realized sorry this is so random again uh not the right look uh, anything but do you, i just realized whose voice i hear in that moment and maybe it's because of the way it says in the book cassian drawled to her and i'm thinking about like this moment where he's like kind of talking her off a ledge right he's a little mm-hmm. like girlfriend you bought the fuck up big time like do you know whose voice i hear again mm-hmm. don't fu- name is escaping me um, it's the guy who plays the American in Ripper Street. Okay. In Ripper Street, there's the American doctor, but he's like kind of a cowboy type, you know? Right. And anyway, right. he has this way, he's got this, he's got one hell of a wife in that show. <laughs> he's got quite a nesta for a wife, okay? And so like, there are a lot of moments where he kind of has to step in and be like, you're about to fuck this up for all of us if you don't sit down 
and be quiet. And far be it for me to tell you to do anything, but I'm telling you. And he just has a lot of these like moments. And you got to remember, like I said, he's supposed to be like the American in the show. So he has a very like specific voice in that show. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden I kind of heard that in Cassian where he's like, Nesta, (laughs) you better sit (laughs) down, back up, let's go. It's not that I disagree with you. (laughs) It's just that it's not going to end. Nope, doesn't end well. Of course, Lucian kind of breaks the ice and he goes, what are you? Wouldn't we all like to know the answer to that? Cassian doesn't take his focus off of Nesta, but my sister slowly looks to Lucian. I made it give something back, she said with terrifying quiet. The cauldron, the hairs along my arms, rose. Nesta's gaze flicked to the carpet and then to a spot on the wall. I wish to go to my room. So she does. She's like, Feyre tells her where, what room to pick, which, well, which one of two rooms she has a choice of. And as she keeps going, she, she goes on down the hall and Cassian turns around and he, when she finally goes into her room, Cassian turns and he looks at them and he goes, is that possible for someone to take from the cauldron's essence? It would seem so, Rhysand mused, and then said to Lucian, the flame in her eyes was not of your usual sh- sort, I take it? Lucian shook his head. No, it spoke to nothing in my own arsenal. That was ice so cold it burned. Ice and yet fluid like flame or flame made of ice. I think it's death, I said quietly. Well, isn't that just a happy thought? I just love what Reese says. Only Nesta would not just conquer death but pillage it <laughs> yep and i just gotta go there so you and i are like so on the same track in this chapter oh my god that cracks me up i was like well yeah that's a pretty up thing one thing i will throw in there because you and i have mostly highlighted the same things i noticed but there was one thing that i like noted in my head that i was like i feel the need to point out before cassian steps in is like girl simmer down um like two pages before that or at least two pages on my like app for kindle i don't know my pages are smaller than a normal human's pages so like two pages back or whatever when he's like here's her he's hearing her puke and he's like what happened and i don't know he said he went fast or whatever he says um she'll never fly again like it says cassie inside at the ceiling she'll never fly again and i think like, there's two ways to read that. And I think one way is just like, oh, for fuck's sake, she's not going to fly again. <laughs> and then, right. like, I think there's legitimately a part of him that's like, Reese, why did you do that? Because she is hard enough to deal with already. Like, now you just added to, like, my long list of, like, grievances. I'm going to have to, like, fix for her to, like, actually trust us and like us. Like, I feel like Cassian sees better. Like, Reese, I think, is a little, like, he likes to go head-to-head with Nesta versus Cassian's, like, I know when not to. Well, yeah. So, I don't know. I just think it's, I don't know. I just thought it was kind of cute because the way I saw it was a little bit like, what the fuck, man? (laughs) Why? Well, we've already had part of that conversation. The rest of it will come much later, but yeah. Anyway, we get a snowflake. <laughs> because this chapter is weirdly long. I swear to God we're going to the Hume City, guys. I swear we're going there. Feyre and Resander in their room getting dressed. And I, I find this so funny because she's, you know, 
Lucian has at least offered to make himself useful while they were gone by reading through some of the texts that are piled on the tables throughout the sitting room. So go Lucian, because, you know, he didn't have to do that. He could have said, fuck all of you and taken off to a bar. I mean, honest to God, he could have, you know, but he doesn't. And I love this little bit because it's just funny. You know, it, it, Cassian apparently is on the roof. Casually, and I say casually with quotes around it, casually sharpening his swords that he brought, the blades, um, because he only brought nine, just nine, you know. Just nine. And, Small number. And, and Favor's like, are you sure that's enough? <laughs> Jesus. It's like, dude, um, you should never poke that bear right now. He's not in the mood. But while they're finishing getting dressed and getting ready to go to the Hewn City, Azrael is reading reports in the courtyard with, or garden with Elaine, who's yeah. out there, I guess, playing with the flowers. I'm not really sure, because it's Elaine. Yeah, exactly. Doing something. And Farrah's kind of looking between the two of them, and she looks to Reese, and I love how she says this. And here yeah. comes the eternal debate that is still going on and raging, and probably will till the next book comes out, my friends. Why not make them mates, I mused. Why Lucian? And of course, Rusan's response is, I keep that question from Lucian. And she's like, I'm serious. Who decides it? What decides it? And Reese is like, fate, the mother, the cauldron swirling eddies. Reese, you said your mother and father were wrong for each other. Tamlin said his own parents were wrong for each other. So we can't perfect system of matching what if what if that is what she needs is there no free will what if lucian wishes the union but she doesn't a mating bond can be rejected reese said there is choice and sometimes yes the bond picks poorly sometimes the bond is nothing more than some preordained guest work as who will provide the strongest offspring at its basis level it's perhaps only that some natural function of an indication of true, some natural function, not an indication of true paired souls. A smile at me, at the rareness perhaps of what we had. Even so, there will always be a tug. For the females, it's usually easier to ignore, but the males, it can drive them mad. It is their burden to fight, though. But some believe they are entitled to the female. Even after the bond is rejected, they see her as belonging to them. Sometimes they return to challenge the male she chooses for herself. Sometimes it ends in death. It is savage, and it is ugly, and it mercifully does not happen often. But many mated pairs will try to make it work, believing the cauldron selected them for a reason. Only years later will they realize that perhaps the the pairing was not ideal in spirit. So you're saying she could walk away and Lucian would have free reign to kill whoever she wishes to be with? Which is such a fucking weird thing to take away from that story. I feel like he said, probably not, and like, not that I know of, just that it has happened. Kind of like, you know, it's rare, but meteors have happened. (laughs) Right. But Reese has a good response to her. Not free reign, not in my lands. It has been illegal in our territory for a long, long time for males to do that, even before I was born. Other courts, no. On the continent, there are territories that believe the females literally belong to their mate. 
but not here. Elaine would have our full protection if she rejects the bond, but it will still be a bond, however weakened, that will trail her for the rest of her existence. And I find it interesting because this sets up the eternal question of Elution or Ariel. And I, I'm not sure where I sit on this, I'll be very honest. I mean, pardon me, it's like I, I want her and Lucian to kind of figure it out. But what am uh, yeah. I now? Yeah, I, I'm kind of with you. I feel like I don't have like enough information to make a, a, an educated choice. Like I would have exactly. to know Elaine better, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I right now I'm, yeah, let's, let's not make this any more complicated than it is. But hey, what do I know? Although I did find it interesting, like what he's saying about like the mating thing, because as we've discussed in other episodes, I feel like there's this weird, like how meeting works in theory and then like how it tends to play out in the books. True. <laughs> and so like, I am interested to see, like, I know a lot of like fan theories center around the idea that she will reject Lucian simply for the fact that like SJM has said, that's an option and we have yet to see that. True. So there are a lot of people who are theorizing that like, well, that would be an argument as to why she might, because otherwise what's the point of setting up a society that way if it's never used? Very true. And so uh, I was like, also, you know, fair point, but also <laughs> the mercenary never came back. <laughs> well, not only that, but Sarah J. Mass herself has also said after Silver Flames that all mated pairs of the inner circle have met their mates and are are set up correctly. Yeah, but I feel like there's a really big loophole in there. I'm not saying there's not. I'm just yeah. saying. I feel like she left a really big loophole. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because at that point, well, anyway, I, I don't even want to go down that path. <laughs> we can go down that path when we get to Silver Flames. Okay, people. It's not I that think, I don't I love y'all, but. At this point, about the mates, and it's just like kind of the question we've had all along, which is if it is supposedly this fucking strong, particularly for the men, I repeat, how the fuck did Tamlin not know that Pharaoh was not his mate? Ding, 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 ding. My man. I do not understand. So yeah, anyway, carry on. (laughs) Sorry. I'm thinking about how I know what we're going to talk about next and how you and I already talked about that because not only does how Tamlin not fucking know, how does this other motherfucker not know? (laughs) I know. I just stopped when I got there looking at my notes. Well, hell. <laughs> so, Asriel, <laughs> they they talk about, so Reese is funny because he goes, you know them better than I do, but I will say that Lucian is loyal, fiercely so. Favorite answer, so is Asriel. Reese responds, Asriel has been preoccupied with the same female for the past 500 years. To which Favorite asks, wouldn't the mating bond have snapped into place for them if it exists? <laughs> and I like Reese's answer. I think that is a question Azriel has been asking himself every day since he met Moore. 
Yeah. So, yeah, there's there's what you were talking about. Yeah, like all of a sudden I was laughing because I was like, I remember like you and I when we were preparing for this episode being like, as what the hell's wrong with you? Yeah. 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 Oh boy. Anyway. <laughs> So then they go from talking aloud to having this entire conversation down the bond, which, okay, whatever. He helps her get her hair ready. She puts her hair up into a braided coronet. And he hands her the matching crown to his one of Black Raven's wings. And she's basically in a glitterier, shinier version of the dress she wore the first time to the Court of Nightmares. Mm-hmm. With better jewelry. Yes. Not that she was wearing bad jewelry then, but better jewelry now. Yes. If anyone's curious, I a thousand percent in this like moment of like what they're getting ready and what they're wearing. Uh, I picture them in the uh, Hades and Persephone outfits in Lore Olympus where uh, yes. Persephone's got her like long, pretty, like curled pink hair and she's got the little black uh, uh, yes. tiara on yes. that matches Hades and she's sitting like in what I think is supposed to be Hades' throne and he's standing next to her. Yeah, anyway. Yep, yep. yep. <laughs> they do talk about the fact she feels guilty that she went into Lucian's head and Reese is like, look, if it makes you feel better, he violated the rules we set out. So I, you know, she does finally resolve not to do it again. But they talk about her guilt. And they they get ready to go downstairs. And I, I the last little bit, the chapter's about to end, guys. I'm not going to go through the rest of this conversation they have. If you want to read it, please do. But I'm not going to go into the nitty-gritty. God knows I've been in enough nitty-gritty in this chapter. And together we stared at a reflection. Lord and Lady Knight, ready to be wicked, he purred. This time, I breathe, kissing the tendril of tattoo that peaked just above the collar of Reese's black jacket. I get to make Kier big. Mwahaha. I like that. I do too. <laughs> and the chapter ends. Thank God, because goddamn, this was a long chapter. Yeah, it's the longest fucking lead-in ever. I have a very sneaking suspicion that this was like three chapters that some editor was like, "You get one." <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, so it became one really, really long chapter. So go ahead and take twenty-five. Twenty-five is a lot shorter. <laughs> it is. I promise you guys. I'm not going to take that long to get through 25. So 25, it starts off, and I, I do like this a little bit. It says, Amrit hadn't dressed Nesta in cobwebs and stardust as more and I were clothed. And she hadn't dressed Nesta in her own style of loose pants and a cropped blouse. She'd kept it simple. Brutal. A dress of impenetrable black flowed to the dark marble floors of the throne room of the Hewn City. Tight through the bodice and sleeves, its neckline skimming the base of her pale throat. So I find it interesting. You know, Nesta is basically covered up head to toe. Yeah. And Feyre and Morgan are in cobwebs and stardust. And I'm going to guess Feyre's in stardust and Moore's in cobwebs. Yeah, basically. By, by shot in the dark there. Anyway, as they're walking in, Feyre realizes there's only one throne. And Reese realized it too. Apparently he had planned for it. Good boy. Yep. Smart, smart. He leads her up onto the dais and right to that one throne. The movement as easy and smooth as a dance. The crowd murmured as I sat, the black stone bitingly cold against my bare thighs. They outright gasped 
as Reese, simply perched on the arm of the throne, smirked at me and said to the court of nightmares, Bow. For they had not. And with me seated on that throne, their faces were still a mixture of shock and disdain as they all dropped to their knees. And that includes Moore and Azriel and Amran and Nesta. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure that went well. <laughs> I'm sure Nesta just love that. I'm just like, I can only imagine what's going through her head. Moore is apparently grinning like an idiot, though, because she's enjoying this. Yes. I'm like, all right, you go, you twisted little fuck. Go, go, go. Because <laughs> she's so twisted in this moment. Which is great, because I just warn you now, this is the last time we're going to think that Moore is hilarious and in the right for, like, the next, like, ten chapters. <laughs> Pretty much. God help us. Well, this is the last time we're going to enjoy her. <laughs> sort of. There's something coming up where we get more that we think of back. But anyway. <laughs> um, Reese is so not nice about this. He's like, I will interpret the lack of two thrones to be due to the fact that this visit came upon you quickly. And I will let you all escape without leave, having your skin flayed from your bones as my mating gift to you. Our loyal subjects. <sighs> and she's sitting there and she's realizing tendrils of power snaked towards the dais, but didn't dare venture past the first step, testing me. What power I might have, not getting close enough to offend Resand. I let them creep closer, sniffing around. As I said to Reese, to the throne room. Surely, my love, they would like to stand now. So he tells them they can rise, and they do. And some of those tendrils of power dared to climb up to the first step, at which point Feyre pounced. And three gasps choked through the murmuring room as I slammed talon-sharp magic down upon those two curious powers, dug in deep and hard, a cat with a bird under its paw, several of them. Do you wish to have this back? I asked quietly to no one in particular. And can I just say, I can only I imagine how this is going to come out. Because this is like, this is like, am I at the payback from hell? <laughs> I, uh, yeah, yeah. This very much has, um, like, I feel like it has very much like Witcher Game of Thrones type energy to it. Yeah. Where it's, like, this is just going to be really like dark and gritty and enjoyable. <laughs> Yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing this on, on yeah. screen. I, I am. I'm not even going to lie. And Reese is like, don't you know that it's not polite to touch a lady? With Fairy's answer is to sink her dark talons in further. The magic, whoever tried to tear, tried, dared to try test me. Good Lord, I can't talk. I'm sorry, you guys. Thrashing and buckling. Play nice, I crooned to the crowd. And then she let go. <laughs> Three separate flurries of motion warred for my attention. Someone had winnowed outright, fleeing. Another had fainted. And a third was clinging to whoever stood beside them, trembling. I marked all of their faces. Can I just say, whoever those three fuckers are, they're, they're fucked. Yeah, yeah, their days are numbered. <laughs> God damn, you're fucking dumb, aren't you? Even Kier's not that stupid. Truth. So Amran comes up, gets permission, and she and Nesta disappear. 
Reese tells everybody to go eat, drink, and be merry. And Reese looks at Kira and says, the council room in 10 minutes. And literally sends Kira off. And he takes Farah out and they head towards the, the, the council room. And there's a snowflake. For no in the council- reason that I can come up with. Yeah. Just, I guess, so that we don't have to see them walk from one room yeah. to the next. I don't know. Anyway, I mean, it's a good fade to black moment. Like, it would be a scene change officially sure. in a show. So I guess it, it works. I guess, you know, why we're thrown off? Because they're actually using it correctly. Right. <laughs> Sorry. That was snarky. Um, they're in the council room. And it is Reese and Farah each at one end of a very long table. And Azrael and Moore are on one side. And Kier is on the other. And there's an empty chair next to him. Hmm. And it's the empty chair that's between Kier and Reese. Yes. Of course, Kier cuts the preamble. He's like, well, I know why you're here. Hibern is swarming your legions are gathering. You mean to ask for my dark burners to join your army? Reese is at least smart enough to say, well, you've saved me the effort from dancing around this. And Kira's such an ass, because this is what he says. I confess that I find myself sympathetic to Highburn's cause. Reese responds with, I would say you would not be the only one. And Kira's like, there are many similarities between Hybrid's people and my own. Both of us. Trapped. Stagnant. And more cuts in. Last I checked, you've been free to do as you wish for centuries. Longer. And Kira responds with, are we, are we free? Not even the entirety of this mountain belongs to us. Not with your palace atop it. All of this belongs to me, I'll remind you. Resan said, That's Riley. what I was thinking. I don't like do not understand this weird little like power struggle thing it's like here you own the equivalent of like a single walmart in a town like why would you think that you could take on the mayor of the rest of the town (laughs) or the president of the united states i mean like really yeah like I, i don't understand that would be like I don't know. That would be like Rhode Island being like, it's us versus everybody else. Like Rhode Island, shut the hell up and sit down. <laughs> Pretty much. Sure, Rhode Island, you take on Texas. Yeah, like go for it, man. Go for it. It's not going to work, but you knock yourself out. Of course, you know, Kier's like, well, it's that mentality that allows me to find hyper and stifled people to be kindred spirits. And I'm kind of like, well, fuck you. Can't. I mean, personally, at this point, if I were Reese, I wouldn't be playing it as nice as Reese is. Yeah, well, Kier's about to make a really fucked up ask, so. He is. And he almost, like, dies for it. <laughs> and he's like, you know, Reese is like, I, I have no doubt that you've already decided upon your asking price. Here, pierced down the table to me. Looked as Phil as I held his stare. I did. Dark power rumbled through the chamber, setting the onyx chandelier tinkling. Tread carefully, Kier. Then at Reese, more had gone utterly still. What would you give me if I shot at this war, Reesan? You hoard yourself to Amarantha. But what about your mate? And Reese? There was only eternal, unforgiving death on his face and the darkness gathering behind his chair. The bargain our ancestors struck 
grants you the right to choose how and when your army assists my own. But it does not grant you the right to keep your life here when I grow tired of your existence. Right. Don't know why Kier thinks... I guess Kier thinks he has plot armor. <laughs> Either that or he has he has power he just doesn't have. But whatever. Fine. So, you know what, Kier? Fuck you. Don't bring your Darkbringers and go fight for Highburn, dickhead. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. See I what don't... happens to you living in the Night Court. I mean... It... Yeah, I don't know. I don't understand. But anyway, whatever. It's fine. I don't understand a lot of things. <laughs> Me either. Like, this is a case of Resand is the High Lord, and if Kier wants to fuck around like this, fine. But right. tell him no, and then see what happens. I mean, right. really yeah. get fucked. So, of course, Reese snaps his fingers, and he's like, bring him in. And everybody's like, what? And Pharaoh says this. I didn't know where to look as a servant escorted in the tall male figure at Moore, whose face went white with dread. At Azriel, who reached for his dagger truth teller, his every breath alert, focused but unsurprised, not a hint of shock. Or at Eris, heir to the autumn court, as he strolled into the room. And that is the end of chapter 25. <laughs> Thank God it's short. Yeah. Yeah, 26 is short too. And and, and this is, all right, this is where I'm going to hop in. Okay. Fair warning, I like to call, like, this chapter and the next chapter that I'm covering, this section is everyone gets irrationally mad. <laughs> so, yeah, they do. Let's... I mean, it's, though 27 is a lot longer. Yeah, but 26 is the start of let's get irrationally mad. All right, so let's get into it. <laughs> so, Eris sits in the previously empty seat, and Reese is playing, like, Mr. Cool and Slightly Evil, and he's like all sprawled out, drinking wine, like, welcome back, Eris. And Moore is staring holes through Reese. And Ferris sees how hurt Moore is. And I get it, but also, like, we'll talk about this, like, later, because this whole chapter, I got questions. But <laughs> Feyre does quickly ask down the bond, like, uh, Reese, what's going on? And Reese yeah. quickly tells her he's ensuring that Kier agrees to be on their side. So, like, roll with me here. And Farah like, don't get it. And <laughs> if you don't get it either, like, it's all going to come become clear. So just like, yeah, just let's go on a journey together. <laughs> and basically, Reese says to Kier, yo, remember that time you told me uh, that you wish you could uh, strengthen ties with the odd court? Uh, mm -hmm. And, you know, you probably could do that if it weren't for that asshole Baron. Well, this is your chance. <laughs> Well, not only that, but, you know, he did try to marry his daughter off to Eris so he could strengthen those bonds. Right. So what he actually says is, Eris is willing to offer you a formal alliance in exchange for your services in this war. Again, it's going to come full circle. But Kira is like, meh, I don't really care about that much anymore. <laughs> and with more patience than I would have, Reese asks here, like, what do you want then? And honestly, he wants what I find to be like the most annoying thing ever. And it's annoying for two reasons. So like, I'm gonna quickly talk about this. He, quote, wants space. I want my people to be free of this mountain. <laughs> dramatically he says he wants access to Valaris and now this is annoying for two reasons one because as lovers of the inner circle and you know faithful believers of Favor's account in the previous you know, two books and now this one we're like ew no fuck that 
Um, because seriously, fuck that. Kira is a jackass and, uh, he and his people, you know, have every depraved thing they want within the human city. So like, fuck off. But also number two, uh, the problem is like on paper, he's not really asking for anything wild. (laughs) Why would these people want to be stuck within a mountain dwelling if they don't have to be? And while I don't agree with some of the wild things that people on the internet like to say about these books and the situation and what it represents and blah, 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 because I think they've like really like, you know, lost their marbles there. Um, there is a grain of truth there in the points that they make on the interwebs um, where it's like, you gotta wonder like how Reese has just been like so chill with the idea of essentially like Ber- like Berlin walling his court, so to speak. But has he? Because here's the thing. They can go out at any time. There's all this land. There's nothing stopping them from leaving the protection of the mountain the human city is in to go out to to the lands around it. See, that's the thing that we don't really know. Yes and no, because the confusion is, like, when they're out there, it's kind of like a... Like, I don't understand because, like, if they were to leave, then, like, they're no longer under the protection of Kier, understandably, as far as we know, which means at that point can, right. But the question is, is, like, so then if they leave Kier at that point, every shitty thing that they've done under the human city, like, can we, like, whatever the equivalent to, like, arresting them is? Can we now, like, arrest them, essentially, once they come over, like, out of the mountain? I don't know. We don't really have the details of this. I don't think so, but I do think that if they tried to do any of that outside of sure. the protection of Kier, that yes, they would be completely sure. culpable but for I'm whatever saying, powers that do that would be policing that. There's still something weird going on that doesn't make a lot of sense. So, like, yeah. So, like, in fairness, my point is just, like, there is, like, that annoying second reason where it's, like, well, kind of a fair ask because as, like, we already know, Valaris is now, like, out to everyone else like Valaris is not hidden anymore so it's gonna be like pretty hard to be like no Valaris doesn't exist <laughs> like yes it does and it's within the night court and in theory these are citizens of the night court so I don't know it's just very awkward and and uh, it begs to question like yeah at what point would you have to agree to this when you're asking essentially citizens of the night court who are citizens of the human city to risk their life on the behalf of the rest of the night court. See what I'm saying? I totally see what you're saying. Yeah. But I'm, also, I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm just saying, and I, and I mean, I understand the complaint that, that Kier and his people have. All yeah. I say is, is that, you know, when they go out, they, they are not because even even more at one point, and I can't remember where it says, you know, they can leave, they can go out. It's like they choose not to, because why See, would you thing, leave? I, I, from what, I'm going to throw this out there and maybe somebody else can correct me. I, I know what you're saying and I know what you're saying because it comes up when I read stuff out in the fandom world. And I think you are telling me something that technically we do not know yet. It's possible. And the reason I say that is because that explains why there are people on the internet who are very offended at this moment. Because it has been presented from what I can tell in my notes up until this point that they actually cannot leave. Okay. 
<laughs> you may be right. I, I'll be honest. I think, I, but but from what I've read, I think you are correct. But I am not entirely sure that we readers, like, if this is your first time coming through, know this. So anyway, the point I'm making is just the fact that, like, I think people on the internet get a little like cray cray about this. But yeah. I I I see a grain of truth in there that is a little head scratchy, weird. Um, I don't think. So. I, again, I'm not disagreeing with you. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I mean, no, I get you. Maybe. Maybe in the past, under other high lords, they weren't allowed to leave. I just don't see Reese being that way. I, I agree Reese with going, that statement hey, as well. Hey, I, knock I, yourself out. You want to leave? You know where the door is. Yeah. yeah. What Reese isn't going to say is, is, I will protect you from all the crazy that's out there. I, w- I will protect you from the animals that and, and creatures and monsters. Because he doesn't know. And God knows, you know. He yeah. knows there's monsters and shit out there. But he's like, I'm not responsible for protecting you either, though. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, who knows what the details are? We may or may not ever get those. But, yeah, anyways, more fairly is kind of like, Um, But awkwardly, we find that Reese is just silent. And down the bond, Favor confirms that this silence means he's considering it. And he's considering it because, like always, Reese was a step ahead. He saw this coming. And so down the bond, he confirms, I anticipated this and I took precautions. To Kier, he says, there would be conditions. Absolutely. (laughs) Which is lucky that more is an Amarin or this place would probably be like burning to the ground right now. Um, Witcher fans, I feel like this, uh, if more were Siri, this would be a Siri screaming moment. And so for any of those who like know what that means, yeah. For those who don't know what that means, it's bad. It would be very, very bad. <laughs> and um, we're yeah. just glad. Yeah, we're just glad that Moore doesn't um, seem to have any actual powers to her tooth- truth teller. <laughs> like she doesn't seem to actually have useful talents at the moment. But Reese goes on to say, oh, oh, crap, I lost my notes. Hold on. That's what happens when you try to scroll too fast, Kelsey. <laughs> that was the scariest thing. Slow roll, slow roll. Yeah. It's like, oh, not the end of the page, not the end of the page. <laughs> Reese goes on to say that, to Kier that they would basically have to have, like, travel visa rules. <laughs> And Kier agrees. And I honestly thought he'd argue more, but he's just like, yep, done. But Feyre tells Kier that there's one more thing that they need. <laughs> the, okay, here's a question for you. Oh, Not many O's are in Ouroboros. But anyway, <laughs> she needs the Ouroboros mirror. And Kier is like, Meh, sure thing. You can have it. It's cursed to shit. What is yours? <laughs> if you can face it, it's yours. Can yeah, because what the hell am I going to do with it? Okay, in fairness, that's not exactly what he says, but you get the gist. Uh, what he does actually say is, to take the Orvoros to claim it, you must first look into it. And everyone who has attempted to do so has either gone mad or been broken beyond repair, even a high lord or two, if legend is true. Uh... Okay. Yeah. So, you know, easy peasy. <laughs> and uh, with that, Kier has to go do whatever he does. And Feyre summarizes internally. Once he was done gloating over his victory tonight, what we'd given and lost. If the Ouroboros would not be retrieved, at least without such terrible risk, I shut out the thought, sealing it away for later as Kier left, leaving al- us alone with Eris. 
and this is like kind of where shit gets weird. Like this is where like what I was saying about everyone being kind of like irrationally mad comes into play. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I just think it's weird. Like, you gotta really pay attention because, like, when you're Sarah J. Mass, like, you don't tend to write throwaway characters. And so, like, I don't think she wrote no throwaway character when she wrote Eris. So, oh, no. like, I feel like this is all important information. Anyway, Eris opens his big dumb mouth and says, you look well more. And as snaps at him and Reese is like, yo, dog, this arrangement, it's dependent on you dipping your yapper. <laughs> But, um, does he? No. He babbles on about what seems like mindless drivel, about how he managed to sneak out of this meeting, like, sneak out to this meeting, away from his father, without his father noticing, blah, 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 blah. But actually, even though it seems like it doesn't matter, he's filling everyone in. See, (laughs) he's at this meeting because when Az went to Autumn to snoop around and see if Baron had heard of Feyre's powers, Eris more or less caught Az, and he basically admitted that he hadn't told Baron what he saw Feyre capable of. You know, see Feyre using Baron's powers, you know, that would go bad. Anyway, Eris is a lot of things, but stupid isn't one of them, and so he says- he's not dumb. Right. So he says, why waste that sort of information on the bastard? His answer would be to hunt you down and kill you, not realizing how much shit we're in with Highburn and that you might be the key to stopping it. He's a smart cookie. Right. But Moore is finally like, wait, so what's the deal here? Another bride for you to torture? And like, Moore, I get it. But like, you opened yourself up to this bullshit that you have coming, like by saying that. You know what I mean? Yes, she did. You opened that door. So anyway, Eris denies that ever really happening and, okay, like, we'll just kind of like read it real quick. Mm, Yeah. In short, um, yeah, I guess I just, I'll just read it. I don't know who fed you those lies to begin with, Morgan. Likely the bastards you surround yourself with. A sneer at Asriel. Moore snarled, rattling the glasses. You never gave any evidence to the contrary. Certainly not when you left me in those woods. There were forces at work that you have never considered, Eris said coldly. And I am not going to waste my breath explaining them to you. Believe what you want about me. You hunted me down like an animal, I cut in. I think we'll choose to believe the worst. Eris's pale face flushed. I was given an order and sent to do it do it with two of my brothers. And what of the brother you hunted down alongside me, the one whose lover you helped to execute before his eyes? Eris laid a hand flat on the table. You know nothing about what happened that day. Nothing. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, so like I, in short, by no means like Eris. Uh, he's definitely an awful dude. <laughs> but like with that kind of information, I just feel like he's a great character that we're clearly going to see more of. Because um, I think we are being led to believe he's not quite as he appears. And uh, yeah, I fully, yeah, I fully believe that like that last statement. Um, well, here, he actually even goes on to... Yeah, so he actually says one more thing that's kind of important. 
he says about, you know, he's talking about Lucian. He says, how do you think he made it to the spring border? I wasn't there when they did it. Ask him. I refused. It was the first and only time I have denied my father anything. He punished me. And by the time I got free, they were going to kill him too. I made sure they didn't. Made sure Tamlin got word anonymously to get the hell over to his own border. Where two of Eris' brothers had been killed by Lucian and Tamlin. Ayers picked at a stray thread on his jacket. Not all of us were so lucky in our friends and family as you, Resand. Yeah, I just feel like that last statement <laughs> uh, about like not being lucky with family and friends and like having to survive. I just think that that's a lot of foreshadowing that we may get some stuff with later. Mm-hmm. We get some of it. <laughs> we still haven't gotten all of it, but we exactly. have gotten some of it already. Yeah. So anyways, I just find it super interesting. And um, I find it super interesting without like digging a big ugly hole and pissing people off. I just find it super interesting that Moore and the others can't seem to believe that this could be the case for Eris. You know what I mean? I feel like they look at him and they're like, no, you're just an asshole. And it's like, I don't really know why they believe that with all the shit that they've been through. Like, I'm surprised that with all that they've been through, they're having trouble essentially identifying trauma in others. And I just kind of call BS. I hear you. I think... (laughs) I think the struggle is because of the relationship, the negative relationship that that Moore had, and it right. And the I, others have allowed it to color their opinion. And I completely understand that. Like I totally, like I said, I am not saying that it, like Eris is a good dude. I'm not saying Eris is getting a redemption arc. I'm just saying that like if we took like Reese's worst moments, like we tend to take Tamlin's worst moments, they would be up there with Eris's worst moments. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I don't know. Do with that what you will. Um, but back to the question at play here, which is, what's the asking price? And the answer is, quote, when the time comes, we are to support Eris's bid to take the throne. And Thayra, again, summarizes. She does this thing where she, like, summarizes for us, and I'm, like, really appreciating it. She says, a throne in exchange for his silence and sway. And in case we weren't confused enough about who Eris is, he gives us like a little peek at his side of like the more fiasco where he says, I wouldn't have touched you, but when you fucked that other bastard, I knew why you did it. So I gave you your freedom, ending the betrothal in no uncertain terms. And then Azriel's like, and what happened next? And a shadow crossed Eris's face. There are a few things I regret. That is one of them. But Perhaps one day, now that we are all allies, I shall tell you why. What it cost me. And with that, Eris takes a bow, leaves, saying he'll see them again at the High Lords meeting in 12 days. And that's the end of the chapter. (laughs) Uh, If you think that was fun, uh, let's see how fun chapter 27 is. So... Go get it. Go get it. Yeah, so Feyre really does a great job summarizing these chapters. (laughs) So, uh, chapter 27, she says, 
We found Nesta and Amrin waiting outside the throne room, both of them looking pissy and tired. Well, that made six of us. <laughs> Which I love. Well. Yeah, I think that, um. Misery yeah. loves company. Yeah, for real. Farah also says that they didn't go looking for the mirror because if Kier wasn't making up the whole thing about it driving people mad, then it, like, wasn't worth it right now. And none of them would be able to handle that right now anyways. And, like, fair. Yep. They get back to the house and Lucian and Cassian are in the sitting room. And, like, the group appears. And this is when it just <laughs> starts falling apart immediately. Uh, this section is so long, <laughs> so I'm just gonna, like, skip some of the details to get to the gist of it, because, like I said, basically everyone is, like, way mad, maybe madder than they need to be, in my opinion, but let's start with the facts. So, ready, quick, play by play. <laughs> they are grumpy and grouchy. Yeah, for real. Well, if I didn't know better, I'd say they were all hangry. About to say that, I was about to be like, did anybody feed these people lunch before they went? <laughs> because it sounds like we have some low blood sugar problems going on here. I'm sorry, as a diabetic, I can say that. It feels like the ghosty girls forgot to make lunch. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we have not seen Tweedledee and Tweedledum, whose names I can't remember for a while. And I feel like they're on Thank you. I feel like they forgot to make sandwiches. Um, <laughs> I mean, maybe they're out doing like important shit. I don't know. But I just feel like one of the important things would have been making sure that these people didn't get hangry. I'm not disagreeing with you. <laughs> but anyway, quick play by play. Uh, more worlds on Reese. Why? And Feyre is feeling all broken up on the inside about it as Reese just stands there and takes it while more literally wails on him, slamming her hands into his chest. And Reese says, Eris found Asriel. Our hands were tied. I made the best of it. I'm sorry. And Cassian looks confused, but then less so. And Feyre assumes that Reese just like filled him in mind to mind. And Moore is now pissed at Az. Why didn't you say anything? And Az rightly points out that if Moore knew their plan, she would have tried to stop it. Cassian, I have a hard time reading about like how mad he is versus just like irritated uh, at the thought of working with Eris. I can't tell like where he ranks on the pissed off scale. So we'll come back to that in a minute. Um, but then Lucian shows up and throws his two cents in about his brother basically being a snake. He's like, hey, yo, my brother's an asshole. And Vera takes an internal note that if what Eris said was true about trying to do his best for his brother, Lucian is completely unaware of it. I would agree with that. But is probably putting together kind of what I'm putting together, which is I don't know that Eris knows that Lucian doesn't know. I would agree with that too. Eris, I think, may think his brother should have put it together by now. <laughs> and I don't, yeah, anyway, I guess he didn't. But trauma. Yeah. But Moore now takes a stance that I feel like makes a little less sense <laughs> than like what we all thought was going on. See, apparently she's not mad about Eris which made, like, a decent amount of sense. She's mad that they're letting Kier into Volaris. My girl, like I said, Volaris stopped being a secret 
when it got attacked. Like, what did you think was going to happen? Right. Well, not only when it got attacked, it would stop being a secret the minute they used the Veritas to show the queens. Right. So, if you don't have Kier's army, like, who the fuck do you have? Exactly. And as Reese's third and a warrior like yourself, I am shocked that this is a surprise to you. That, like, we need to make moves to get here on our side. Like, how? Like, I don't even have words. <laughs> I know. Because I feel like this should be a given that, at, like, in war times, the Night Court is going to rely heavily on the quote unquote Court of Nightmares. Which means we're going to have to play nice-nice and give them something. All I can chalk this up to is some kind of daddy issue she is really struggling with. Yeah. Moore claims that Kier will destroy the city. And Reese assures her that he's made the city aware that they're supposed to be basically as unwelcoming as possible if Kier comes to visit. And try to limit, like, you know, his desire to keep coming, which I think is hilarious. (laughs) Yeah. I love Um, it. Smart thinking, to be honest. I, I know, right? Uh, but this is when Az surprises me. <laughs> he goes, you should have warned us. My dude. My sexy Henry Cavill-faced, come here, baby shadows, dude. I say this with all my love. You kind of suck at your job. Like, so far, I have basically only witnessed you sucking at your missions. So, like, I cannot for, like, a second blame Reese for being like, mm, gonna keep this one tight to the vest. I'm not sharing this info. <laughs> exactly. Though. We get the end of Akamath because As did not see shit coming. <laughs> um... Somehow we like have all of Lars attacked, and I feel like As did not see shit coming. And now, like here we are again. As got caught by Eris. Like I mean, God, dude, my dude, I love you, but my dude, I say this with all my love. You suck at your job. <laughs> okay, I'm not saying he doesn't. <laughs> I'm just gonna put this out here to be the devil's advocate. He did spend 50 years locked up inside of his city and able to do his job. Okay, so, you know, fair enough. Okay, so, like, obviously, Kim and I are friends, so we had some of this conversation recently. And Kim said this, and I was like, oh, good call, good call. You're right, you're right. <clears throat> okay, except for the fact that, like, now that I'm thinking about it, like, 500 years and, like, 50 of them, <laughs> you were, like, off. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just... <laughs> Putting it out there. I know. And there's probably is some truth to that. And like some of it that like they couldn't have seen coming. They didn't know that like using the Veritas was going to have such horrendous repercussions. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got it. But I'm just like, my man, my man, my man, my man. Get it together. But anyway, uh, it's okay because I just gave Az a really hard time. But Moore is now the one who's going to say like the dumbest thing. Um, And this is why I say she's irrationally mad. She is. I get being pissed with Eris. I get being pissed with Kier. But she's supposedly a truth teller. Supposedly a wicked soldier. She's Reese's third. But somehow, she misses the mark here 
with what she thinks Reese will say. Somehow she has known Reese basically her entire life and she doesn't see how this conversation is going to go down. She says, if Amarantha were alive, if she were alive and I offered to work with her, even if it was to save us, how would you feel? <laughs> this is weird because first of all, she knows so little of like what really happened under the mountain and knows so Whoa. little of what Amarantha actually did that it seems like a leap to be asking this question. But whatever. Yes. The, fine, whatever. The bigger thing I can't believe is that she doesn't know what his answer is going to be. Yes. If Amarantha offered us a slim shot at survival, then I would not give a shit that he, that she made me fuck her for all those years. <laughs> rightfully so Cassian flinches because he's just like yelling like yeah he's just yelling I would not give a shit that she made me fuck her for all those years and they're like oh he finally said it awkward um so now you know everyone's feeling awkward but Reese isn't done if Amarantha showed up at that door right now and said she could buy us a chance at defend at defeating Hibern at keeping all of you alive I would thank the fucking cauldron <laughs> and more is i guess stupid i don't know it, it, she doubts him and she goes you don't mean that and he says i do and i believe him because he can be i an believe ass. him yeah like he can be an ass uh sometimes he's wrong but i believe him and i believe he means that and more should too, because she has no reason not to. Like nothing that we know of in their past would make him this not true for him. I agree. <clears throat> Finally, Amron steps in. <laughs> I can't do her justice without reading it, so here we go. <laughs> Amron stepped between Reese and Moore. They both towered over her. I kept this unit from breaking for 49 years, Amron said, eyes flaring bright as lightning. I am not going to let you rip it into shreds now, she faced more. Working with Kier and Eris is not forgiving them. And when this war is over, I will hunt them down and butcher them with you if that is what you wish. Moore said nothing, though she at last looked away from Reese. My father will poison this city. I will not allow him to, Amron said. And I believed her. And I think Moore did too. For the tears that continued sliding free, they seemed to shift somehow. Amron turned to Reese, whose face had now edged towards devastation. So then <laughs> Amron says to him, You're a sneaky bastard. You always have been and likely always will be. But it doesn't excuse you, boy, from not warning us. Warning her. Not where those two monsters are involved. Yes, you made the right call, played it well, but you also played it badly. Something like shame dimmed his eyes. I'm sorry. <laughs> the words to more to Amron. <laughs> Oops. Like, where's my Amron book? I need an Amron book. <laughs> Hopefully we'll get one. I want an Amron book. Um, I do too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, mm, yeah. <laughs> Feyre, again, summarizes what we already know. This is war. Our allies are few and already don't trust us. So, I mean, like, yeah. <laughs> There's that. 
What a fucking nightmare. <laughs> and uh, Amran, now done playing peacekeeper, steps back to Nesta as Cassian asks Feyre. <laughs> because Cassian like is just like, wow, this has been a lot since y'all get back, but I got questions. He says, Feyre, like, he's like, hey, so like how to go with the mirror? So like, if you thought Amran fixed things a minute ago, Whoop, shit's about to get mad again. So, <laughs> oh, does it hit the fan in a big fat way? Oh. Yeah. Feyre fills Cassian in and Amron's like, are you all talking about the Arbar's smear? Why? Yes. And Reese says that if she wants the truth, well, here it is. And basically they admit that they went to the prison and talked to the bone carver and that in order to fight with them, he requires the mirror and Amron starts to lose her cool. So much so that Cassian gets concerned and is sending eyeball messages to Nesta, who for once does not argue and basically gets behind him. <laughs> because Aaron is basically like she's losing her mind. <laughs> yeah. She is refusing to help release the bone carver. And Reese is still asking. And so now we've got the two of them like head to head and that could be ugly. Um, <laughs> could be, would be, hope we, yeah, hope we never see it. But <laughs> Reese admits that the part, he basically, he admits part that maybe Amber did not expect. He says that when we're done with all of this, my promise from months ago still holds. Use the book to send yourself home if you wish. So tensions are still high, but Amron's like, you know, internalizing all of this and tells Reese to call off his dog, his dog being Az, who's gone all shadowy in the corner, <laughs> ready to pounce if he has to. And just, yeah, yeah. Remember, we like when he does that, like last book back in Akamath. He's just, you know, yep. he stalks Amarin and Amarin, like, I guess, you know, yep. the little thing we do here, and he's doing it. And uh, by the time we get this far, Cassian has grabbed Nesta by the skirt and pulled her directly behind him just in case. Um, which I just think is a funny detail that basically the whole so time we're talking, Nesta is just like inching, inching, inching over towards Cassian. And finally he's like, bitch, get behind me. <laughs> um, so I just, I don't know. I think it just reads really funny in my head. Um, but anyway, uh, in order for Amran to agree to tell about like how she got out of the prison because that's really what they're trying to ask her is like well like how can we get the bone carver out how did you get out <sighs> for her to agree to talk about it favor basically has to put up a shield a cone of silence if you will and amarin finally shares what she did and the short version is that whatever she was before a warrior a messenger of a god yada yada well she couldn't feel she didn't have real emotions she was by some accounts a perfect being and blah 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 and to escape the prison she gave all of that up and entered a more mortal fey body doomed to feel feelings and be limited to her body's abilities trust me it's way cooler when you read it um but for time's sake, I'm just going to read a few lines about what she says, um, because I think it sums it all up. 
It does. It does a beautiful job. I was perfect. According to some, I did not regret, did not mourn, and pain, I did not experience it. And yet, yet I wound up here because I was not quite like the others. Even as, as what I was, I was different. Too curious, too questioning. The day the rip appeared in the sky, it was curiosity that drove me. My brothers and sisters fled. Upon the orders of our ruler, we had just laid waste to Twin Cities, smoked them wholly into rubble on the plain, and yet they fled from that rip in the world. But I wanted to look. I wanted. I was not built or bred to feel such selfish things as want. I'd seen what happened to those of my kind who strayed, who learned to place their needs first, who developed feeling. But I went through the tear in the sky, and here I am. And then she goes on to say, like, as far as her escape. So I bound myself into this body. I shoved my burning grace deep into me. I gave up everything I was. The cell door just unlocked. And so I walked out. So, you know, there's a theory. <laughs> yes, please go on. <laughs> Sorry to, de to derail this, but there's a theory out there. And I actually tend to agree with this theory. And I thought it the very first time I read it. And every time I've read it since, I keep thinking it. They had just laid waste to two cities. Twin cities. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Pick up your Bible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, there have been a lot of uh, little minor chatter I shouldn't say a lot, but there's been a, a small amount of chatter on the internet that, yeah, there, there's a question if she's a fallen angel, which I love. And what I thought was really interesting is, <laughs> obviously, I'm a Lucifer fan, but for any Lucifer fans out there, the way this section reads reminds me so much of certain times in the seasons when Armenadiel would talk about, like, what it was like before. Yep. Because there was like what he thought he was doing as an angel. You know what I mean? Because he essentially mm -hmm. didn't think he just did. Exactly. And so the minute he had to come for Lucifer in LA of all places, <laughs> that's when he started to realize what Lucifer saw in humanity. Exactly. So anyway, I feel like, yeah, I feel like there's a lot of like cool, cool connections there. And I just, I don't know. I love that section. But yeah, um, they talk about the Twin Cities being Sodom and Gomorrah when when God yeah. had his angels lay waste to the cities. Right, right. And so. how she is. She's a fallen angel. And, well, if you listen to her talk about her true form. Right. And then, well, at some point we'll see what her true form is, too. <laughs> But anyway, she goes on to explain to Reese, like, yeah, she lied years ago when she said that someone else bound her to that body. Like, she did it. She did it to escape. And anyway, like I said, I just, I want an Amron book. I need an Amron book. Give me an Amron book. <laughs> but anyway, she explains that all that binding shit, yeah, like, that's what the bone carver is going to need. And he's probably not going to want to do it anyways. So after a few moments of awkward silence, while Reese and Feyre are like, methinks I oversimplified the monsters working for us thing, let's regroup. Um, 
Reese finally asks, like, what would happen if she were to be unbound? And she says, I would not remember any of you. I would not care for any of you. I would either smite you or abandon you. What I feel now, it would be foreign to me. It would hold no sway. Everything I am, this body, it would cease to be. Again, that goes along with my theory. I, I, I agree yeah. with the theory that she's a fallen angel. Yes, and I love that. Um, so, yeah, in the meantime of us not getting an Amron book, um, <laughs> real talk, if you know any good Amron fanfic, please send us a DM. I'm interested. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, same. I just want to quickly note that after all of this, um, Feyre has like a million questions she's too afraid to ask, and she thinks Reese is thinking the same, but Nesta... Nesta ain't scared. She's ballsy. And she asks Amron if that was her name even before. And Amron says, no. But before we can carry on, you know, things have to get, you know, not worse, but bad again. And <laughs> Elaine enters. <laughs> She's like, whoop, I thought I was the only one home. Um, you know, because tone of silence, remember? <laughs> and like elaine leaving her room not bad elaine doing the words into sentence doing thing not bad but it's the sentences that come next that make everyone go well the fuck i i was sleeping but i heard i didn't hear you <laughs> And as is the only one capable of talking to someone with trauma. So I guess that's why we keep him around. Because as we discussed, it's probably not for his spy skills these days. <laughs> and as prompts her, but you heard something else. <laughs> well, friends, <laughs> if we hadn't already, this is when we start to question if Elaine belongs in a padded room. What Hear does her she? Crying. Huh? <laughs> Everyone thinks she's dead, but she's not. Only different, changed, as I was. And Favor's like, who, what? And As, again, is the only one who gets her to talk. So I will admit, and we kind of briefly touched on this, I do fully understand the As Elaine shippers, even if I'm not necessarily one myself. I get it. Yeah. Um, and she says, she tells him what she saw. I saw young hands withered with age. I saw a box of black stone. I saw a feather of fire land on snow and melt it. <laughs> My stomach dropped to the floor. One glance at Nesta confirmed that she felt it too, saw it. Mad. Elaine might very well have gone mad. It was angry. It was so, so angry that something was taken. So it took something from them as punishment. <laughs> Um, I made it give something back. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Um, then she walks away. <laughs> I had to go there. I'm so sorry. That was. Mm. It's fine. Uh, I mean, you like actually used your brain and like put things together and was like, hmm, this sounds familiar. Me, uh, my brain decided to think of that fish from SpongeBob who's like, this sounds like a load of barnacles. <laughs> That's all I could think was if you're standing in this room and this woman comes in and just starts like babbling shit at you and leaves, you're like, this sounds like a load of barnacles. <laughs> 
Um, because uh, basically everyone in the room was wondering what the everlong fuck she's talking about. <laughs> what does does Azrael really have that? That's that is a legit question. Um, we don't really know because he fucking winnows out. Exactly. <laughs> I don't think. And this is where I, you know, God love him. I mean, poor Az gets the short stick. But I really think Az started to put two and two together. Right. And, like, on one hand, I do understand that. On the other hand, I still think winnowing out was a weird choice. (laughs) I don't disagree. So, I don't know. I don't understand that man, clearly, at all. It's fine. There's a good reason we cast him as Henry Cavill in our minds. And that's because at least he'd be pretty. Um... (laughs) actor i'm not saying anything to henry cavill's abilities i'm saying that if i gotta wonder what the fuck as is doing 99 percent of the time i better be like what's that guy doing i don't know but he's pretty though (laughs) (laughs) anyway get a snowflake uh and everyone leaves except for favor and nesta and favor finally realizes what i'd been wondering to this point and no one had bothered to talk about which is like what the hell amran and nesta were doing in the land down under while favor and reese were playing their roles with kier in the land down under <laughs> i wondered if you'd catch that oh <laughs> now i have men at work going through my head damn you <laughs> uh, i'm here for guys anyway well it's different because it's under a mountain but it's not under the mountain um so i decided that we needed the differentiation so it's the land down under um (laughs) again for time because dear god this has been taking forever and we still have one chapter left uh long story short nesta says Amran took her to a room full of objects, a la the Weaver Cottage situation, and basically waited for Nesta to feel the power of the objects and identify the weak spots. And they're hoping she'll be able to do that with the wall. So this was like a test. And unfortunately, this was a no-go. Did not work. Did not go well. Nesta is grouchy about it. So. She did not pass go and did not collect $200. Exactly. So for a change of subject, they discuss what to do with Elaine. And Nesta has what I think is actually decent insight. She says what I always said about the magic system in this book, that it's similar to like once upon a time where everything comes at a cost. And Nesta thinks that the cost for Elaine's eternal youthful beauty was her sanity. And Feyre opens her big dumb mouth (laughs) and asks Nesta what it cost her. What was your cost? Nesta stopped moving. Perhaps it was to see Elaine suffer while I got away unscathed. I shot to my feet. Nesta, don't bother. <laughs> so she takes off up the stairs. And uh, yeah, so with Nesta storming off, Farah is left to think, like, Jesus, is this day ever going to end? Like, we really were just at the Bone Carver this morning, guys. Like, holy crap. Anyway, so after a little bit of time, Lucian finds Farah with her head in her hands, basically, and is like, so rough day, I take it. And Favor is like, who do you think? And Lucian offers some advice. He's like, I don't care. I don't know if you noticed, but Elaine seems kind of 
off. So I thought, like, maybe you could call, like, a healer, you know, to check her out. And for some reason, this never occurred to anyone before this moment. But Feyre agrees to get in touch with Maja, the healer, like, the preferred healer that Reese has. And, you know, figures like that can't hurt, right? And, like, maybe Lucian's got right. him here. So we get another snowflake. And uh, wrapping it up, it's evening now, and Reese and Feyre are in their room. Feyre had, like, fallen asleep, I guess, like, face down in the bed. And Reese, like, woke her up to see if she needs to eat anything. And basically so that they can now, like, have a moment to, like, decompress about their day. And basically, Reese is like, I should have found another way. Should have found a non heiress less care way. And Feyre's like, my dude, I am too busy thinking about if Amarantha were to show up to this house. So thanks for that nightmare material, by the way. And she says that if she ever did, she'd kill her. And Reese admits that he knows that. And I think he appreciates what Feyre is saying for what it is, you know? And, right. Absolutely. And uh, so Reese explains, you asked me at the library why i why i'd rather take all this upon myself tonight is why seeing more cry is why i made a bad call tried to find some other way around this shithole we're in and had lost something more had lost something in the process so yeah like reese's feeling feels about how this day has gone and Really, kind of the last point that gets made in this chapter is that Feyre asks Reese if he was risk looking into the Arboros mirror yet, and he simply says, not yet. So not no, but not yet. <laughs> Which, like, oi, that sounds like bad news bears to me. <laughs> and uh, that is the end of this weird, weird chapter. Um, and like we said, like we try to end episodes at like natural plot points. Um, so we could end here because this is like a kind of a natural plot point. Um, but the next chapter doesn't belong anywhere. <laughs> so, Unfortunately. So, uh, real quick, Kim's gonna get in your ears with chapter 28. <laughs> Hopefully it won't take very long. It shouldn't. So chapter 28, the next morning, Pharaoh wakes up and as she said, Amron had said the carver wouldn't bind himself into a fey body, had claimed that. She's kind of questioning that because he did tell her if he's will, if she could get him the Ouroboros, he was hers to you. Right. So I think I think everybody's kind of banking on the fact that she's not even going to be able to get to the Ouroboros. So we'll see. Sure. Anyway, she decides to head over she gets up she goes to training to meet up with cassian and she's like i'm gonna she winnows and then she flies in at the last little bit because remember the house of wind is completely warded from winnowing right. she kind of fucks up her landing cassian sees it tells her what to do and of course it's too late because she didn't allow for enough time and space and he, he's funny because he goes, well, if you go in for a landing that way, make sure you have room. <laughs> right. Womp womp. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much a big womp womp. Um, anyway. Sad trombone. <laughs> yeah, really. Big womp womp. 
they it was so cute so cassian is like look do you want to go hard or take it easy <laughs> but Feyre acknowledges this she goes i didn't think others gave him enough credit for noticing the shift in someone's emotional current to command legions i suppose he needed to be able to read that sort of thing judge when his soldiers or enemies were strong or breaking or broken yeah i mean he ain't he ain't stupid there's a reason we love him stupid and she's like hard i want to limp out of here like <laughs> jesus christ <laughs> you're stupid girl but okay I, was say, I feel like in fairness i feel like when i was training at the gym there were days i basically said that <laughs> yeah long time ago in the galaxy far far away i used to have a personal trainer and there were some days where i'd be like yeah make me and cry because of this instead of because of my real life <laughs> i know I miss, I miss, there are days I actually do miss it. Like, I, I, I did enjoy working out. I found that if I was having a really shit day, it was a great way to get my aggression out. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, I feel that. <laughs> anyway, he acknowledges that it helps her too. That, I mean, it helps him too. And he's like, you know, I suppose there are, there are worse ways of coping. Excuse me. Then you get a snowflake. Asriel's lesson afterwards um, <clears throat> and it was basically spent with her trying to learn how to memorize the currents and the downdrafts and all of it. Right. But she acknowledges that even throughout it, he was quiet and removed, even by his standards. So he's still upset about what happened last night. <clears throat> and... She doesn't really want to get too into it. By the time she gets back to the townhouse, she's literally limping. Right. And she finds more at the dining room table, munching on a giant pastry, <laughs> which just cracks me up. Yep. And Moore's response to Farah is, you look like a team of horses trampled you. <laughs> Thanks, Moore. Thanks. There, there's a way to make someone feel better about themselves and uh of course she walks in she's like good and she as as she's saying good she she grabs this pastry that Moore's been eating and takes it from her <laughs> which i just think is really funny it kind of shows their relationship it in does. a really strange way and it's just a funny little moment of levity and god yeah, knows like they're the chosen the just had yeah, they're like the yeah. sisters who chose each other versus the ones she ended up, like, really having. Exactly. And she's pointing to this pile of letters that's on the table in front of Moore, and she's like, well, what's all that? And Moore responds with, the first of the High Lord's responses, no hint of last night's rage and fear. That pleasant, hmm? Helene's came first thing this morning. Between all the innuendo, I think he said he'd be willing to join us. That's good, right? A shrug. Helene, we weren't worried about. The other two... Thiessen says he'll come, but won't do it unless it's in a truly neutral and safe location. Calias. He doesn't trust any of us after Under the Mountain. He wants to bring armed guards. Day, Dawn, and Winter are closest allies. No word from anyone else. My gut tightened. No. Spring, autumn, and summer haven't sent a reply. And I have to admit, it's kind of strange 
and Farah kind of mentally wonders about the fact that they hadn't heard from Summer because even though there are blood rubies out there against them, she really kind of figured that Tarquin would have right. said yes under the circumstances. So right. she's like, unless we really pissed him off to, to join Highburn, which I guess is always a thing. Um, so they keep going and they're like, look, we don't really know what to say. And and what happens the night before comes up and Feyre's like, you are allowed to feel that way. And Moore's like, it won't help us win the war. And Moore's like, I understood why Reese did it. The position we were in, Eris is... You know what he is like. And if he was indeed threatening to sell information about your gifts to his father, mother above, I would have made the same bargain with Eris to keep Baron from hunting you. Right, it's which just, is why I don't understand why she had such a struggle like I know. yesterday. Like I don't know why she could say that today, but not yesterday. But the next comment is even more telling. It's just, my father knew. The second he heard of this place, he probably knew what it meant to me. There would have been no other asking price for my father's help in this war. None. Reese knew that as well. Tried to bring Eris in it to sweeten the deal for my father to possibly avoid this outcome with Valaris altogether. And then she's like, look, we talked, Reese and I, this morning while Cassian was kicking your ass. <laughs> And then she asks, Farah asks her about Az, and as she more says, Az had a tough call to make when Eris found him. He, I don't know why I expected him to side with me, why it caught me so off guard. It just, it all took me by surprise, and I will never be happy about any of these terms. But my father wins, Eris wins, all the ale, all the males like them win. If I get, let it get to me, if I let it impact my joy, my life, my relationships with all of you, she sighed at the ceiling. I hate war. Anyway, Feyre acknowledges that, that she hates war too. And as they're sitting there, all of a sudden, she, there's a knock on the front door. And Feyre's like, oh shit. <laughs> she totally forgot. Um, she had asked Maja to come and it was time. And Maja was there on time. And Moore's like, if you need anything, I'll be right here. And so she goes and she lets Maja in. We get a snowflake. And Maja examines Elaine, runs all these tests. And then, of course, both Nesta and Favor were in the room with them. And Maja's response was, she found nothing. She had pulled them out. And, of course, Nessa's like, what do you mean? Nothing's wrong with her. She's not making any sense. She's talking like crazy. And Maja has a good response. She goes, what I mean is that I can find nothing wrong with her. Her body is fine. Too thin and in need of more food and fresh air, but nothing amiss. As for her mind, I cannot enter it. And I blinked. were blinks, and she's like, she has a shield. And Maja says, she is cauldron made. You are not like the rest of us. I cannot pierce the places it left its mark most deeply. The mind. The soul. And I would not try if I were you, lady. 
Do you think there's something wrong, even if there are no signs? Nesta pushed. I've seen the victims of trauma before. Her symptoms match well with many of those invisible wounds, but she was also made by something I do not understand. Is there something wrong with her? I do not like that word, wrong. Different, perhaps. Changed. Does she need further help? Nesta said. The ancient healer jerks her chin towards Lucian. See what he can do. If anyone can sense if something is amiss, it's a mate. How? The word was barely more than a barked command, and that, of course, is from Nesta. <laughs> but Maja says to the Maja says to Nesta, the mating bond. It is a bridge between souls. Of course, Nesta's being her not pleasant self and tries to offend Maja and of course Farah jumps all over her and Maja, Maja leaves and then Nesta's like call on another healer because Nesta's such a polite creature and Farah has gone past that and she's looking at, at Lucian and she's like would you try it and Nesta tries to say that he doesn't get to have that option. And that's, God bless favor. She finally stands up to her sister and she's like, be quiet. Yeah. You yeah. will try. And if he doesn't find anything amiss, we'll consider bringing in another healer. So go favor for finally standing up to Nesta and putting her ass in place for a little while. And, you know, they decide they're going to invite her down. And Feyre and Moore are going to monitor things. And Lucian's so funny because he's just like, he doesn't need to be monitored. <laughs> they all look at him with raised eyebrows. I'm sorry, he's going to lose that battle. Three women against him. Right. Anyway, he, he claims he wants to freshen up before they go get Elaine. So he goes down to his room and that's the end of the chapter. So at least this is a super quick chapter and it sure. does set us up going forward. Sure. And that's I kind will of where we say... Are. I will say I have a, I mean, this is just a working theory on my part. Um, I, I sort of think that the reason Nesta, I don't think I'm saying anything that people don't know, but anyway, you know, the semi spoiler here, I guess. I think the reason Nesta responds the way she does is not really just for the sake of being an asshole when Maja says the mating bond is a bridge between souls. I think it's because we know she's dealing with her own come to Jesus <laughs> terms of what a mating bond is. And so I think she's a little bit like, I don't want to hear it. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> like, I don't think that's really like her just being an asshole for asshole's sake, which ironically is I think what Feyre thinks. <laughs> I think it's that Nesta's having a bad reaction to that information. <laughs> I, you know, I don't totally disagree, but I also think Nesta's just... I mean, sure. I'm just saying, like, I don't think it's out of just nowhere. I think Nesta's just taking her anger out on everything at sure. anyone but Elaine. Sure. Too. Yeah. And I think, I think that has as much that. to do with it. Yeah. I feel that. So that's the end of uh, the chapters we're covering today. So Kim has some songs. Kim actually has a lot of songs. Hit us with your songs. 
I have to say I did. And I was kind of surprised I found so many because I wasn't, I wasn't expecting to, but you know, as, as Kelsey, I talked through this again, as we were preparing for this, I, I told, I told her, I said, it was just funny because as I started looking for songs, like things just kind of fell into place. So the first song is Memories by Maroon 5. And it's when Elaine is talking about her wedding and Grayson and all of that. And to piggyback on that, the next song, number two, is Hopelessly Devoted to You by <laughs> Olivia Newton-John from Greece. Love it. Um, and it's Elaine talking about Grayson. And I can't say, and I, and Feyre's has done this for, I mean, Feyre, and God. <sighs> Kelsey has known this for a long time. I'm sorry that I have favor on the brain. Can you tell? <laughs> um, Kelsey's known this for a long time that I, I've heard this song as far as Elaine regarding her fiance, that that is the song that runs through my head for Elaine. Yeah. Um, the third song is From a Distance by Bette Midler. And it's when Elaine is talking about seeing things and hearing things like heartbeats and the ocean and <laughs> they're far away but she can hear them and she's seeing this firebird but nobody knows what the firebird is she's talking about and then she talks about the young hands withering into old and yeah black box and things so i just find it interesting so yeah, that song like just kind of the more i was the more i was listening to to different songs for this to pull songs that song kind of popped into place and it just felt so appropriate. The next song after that is Girl on Fire by Alicia Keys. And it is about Nesta specifically when she comes out of the bathroom after throwing up when Reese <laughs> flew fast. <laughs> and, and Lucian's like, what are you? Because he cannot identify the flames he sees right. in her eyes. It just, I don't know. It struck me as kind of a odd, humorous, funny, haha. This is kind of ironically funny in this moment. Um, the fifth song is called I'm a Ruler. Uh, by Tommy Prophet and uh, Ruby and God help me if I mispronounce her name Ruby Amon I don't know anyway um, it's when Reese and Farrah are in the Hewn City as the ruler is going to sit on the throne and the whole bit doing their little she's she's the high lady bullshit which God bless him I'm glad they did it the song after that is Uprising by Muse when Kier is talking to Reese about how he feels he can relate to Highburn. Uh, the next song after that is Go to War by the group Nothing More. And it's at the table with Kier in the Hewn City when they are talking about the upcoming pending war and, and yes. the negotiation to, to bring in the Darkbringers. Uh, song number eight is Power is Power. Uh, it is on the For the Throne compilation music cd it is a cd of songs inspired uh, of music that has been inspired by game of thrones and it's for the inner circle at this point in the story and just especially everything that happens in the huge city and right after geeks after my and own the, heart man yeah yeah really you know hmm. and then the last song is uh number nine is lost souls by lorena mckenna and it's about elaine and how everybody else is worried about her when they go to bring in Maja because elaine is kind of talking in right. these weird half riddles and the only one who seems to have picked up on anything is is Azrael. right so those are the songs for this episode yeah let me know y'all Yes, and you can let us know on all of the things. Uh, so we're wrapping this very long episode up to start off the new year. We're super excited. 
Happy 2022. Fun and all the things. Uh, remember, yes. all these things have two A's, like Sarah J. Mass's name. Uh, website, massivefanbookclub.com. Facebook at Massive Fan Book Club and Podcast. Twitter at Massive Podcast. Instagram at Massive Fans Podcast. Pinterest at Massive Fans. And TikTok at Massive Fan Pod. Yes. And, and, and Happy New Year, y'all. We are so happy to be back. Exactly. It feels good to be back. We're going to do it some fun stuff this year. Fun stuff. <laughs> so much fun stuff. We have a lot of cool things going. We're excited. We're planning things, y'all. Plotty fingers. Lots of plotty fingers. Plotty here. fingers. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And with that. Okay. <gasps>